This is section 121 of Mark Twain Speaking. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Bishop Speech Between October 5th and 17th, 1907 Read by John Greenman Now, Elliot, you have delivered the King's Bible, sir. The rest of your sojourn among us, which I hope will be long and pleasant, will naturally be devoted to acquiring information about our great country, the greatest on earth, as you will already have learned from the reporters as you came up the bay, and from other shy and blushing sources. I am glad of this opportunity to add to your accumulation of American fact, and will help you all I can. And where I cannot add a fact, I shall hope to be useful in explaining facts drawn by you from other authorities. Our form of government, sir, is the best that can be devised by human wisdom it being a monarchy, a great and free and progressive and enlightened monarchy, like your own at home. There is a difference, but it is only slight and not readily perceptible. Yours is hereditary monarchy under a permanent family. Ours is hereditary monarchy under a permanent political party. Sometimes you call your system a monarchical republic. Ours is a republican monarchy. There is no real difference. And I can tell you this, both have come to stay. You couldn't dislodge ours with dynamite. Is it good? Well not as good for the nation as it would be if the two great parties held the power turn about and kept each other from abusing it. You will read and hear much of the President of the United States. Dear sir, do not be deceived. There is no such person and no such office there is a president of the Republican Party, but there has been only one president of the United States since the country lost Mr. Lincoln forty-two years ago. The highest duty of the president of the Republican Party is to watch diligently over his party's interest, urgently promoting all measures, good or bad, which may procure votes for it, and as urgently obstructing all, good or bad, which might bring its rule into disfavor. The party only is hereditary now, but the headship of it will be hereditary by and by in a single family. Pray do not overlook our patriotism, sir. There is more of it here than exists in any other country. It is all lodged in the Republican Party. 
the party will tell you so all others are traitors and are long ago used to the name we impose no penalty upon them except the half of the taxes but russia would send them to siberia publicly sir we are intensely democratic and much given to mocking at royalties and aristocracies but privately we have had that hankering after them and worship of them which has never been absent from any section of the human race we love to look at photographs of princes and princelings and dukes and duchesses greatly preferring them to any other kind of pictures our illustrated papers and magazines know this and they keep this appetite liberally fed the source of this adulation of ours is the same that it is all over the world envy envy of the conspicuous while a president is in office we have pictures of them daily and the telegrams record every wonderful thing they say just as your newspapers do with the profound remarks of august children on your side of the water an american girl would rather marry a title than an angel we are nearly ripe for a throne here in fact all we lack is the name we are a stirring and energetic and enterprising people sir and we do things on a large scale look at our statistics there is nothing elsewhere on the planet like them in europe you think it a proud thing if you kill one or two people a week with automobiles whereas our weekly output amounts to a bartholomew massacre your british railways carry more passengers than do ours yet when it comes to killing and crippling where are you out of sight if you kill and cripple a few dozen people in a year you think it a great thing oh, dear sir it is nothing our railways kill ten thousand passengers every year and injure sixty thousand if you would do away with your obstructive block system and protected crossings you could do as well in england you attach an almost sentimental importance to human death and mutilation you are too fastidious about it we used to be like that but we have gotten over it our streets are the property of the transit cars and all that in them is in our great city the cars kill a human being every fifteen hours the year round that is the crop of the suddenly killed seven hundred a month eight thousand five hundred a year ten or twelve thousand a year if you count those that by and by succumb to their injuries and get no mention by car accidents we kill and injure together 
five thousand six hundred a month without counting sundays seventy thousand a year just the duplicate of what our two hundred and nine thousand miles of american railways do you see aggregate a hundred and forty thousand per annum can you beat that can you even approach it <laughs> no sir no country can approach it at least no foreign country except perhaps shawl if that is a foreign country i don't know when i think of some of our shipments to it i realize that i should feel more or less at home there it wouldn't surprise me there to recognize our american twang here and there and now and then the pleasant accent of your own great country sir when you have a trial which is particularly salacious and rotten with indecencies your courts shut out the public and the reporters our way is better and more popular although we do not allow obscene books and pictures to be placed on sale either publicly or privately or sent through the mails we exploit our thaw trials in open court and place the lust-breeding details per newspaper and mail under the eyes of sixty million persons per day young and old and do not perceive the curious incongruity of it a wave of crime quite naturally and of necessity follows throughout the land resulting in hundreds and hundreds of atrocities that come to light and those of thousands that are concealed out of shame by the victims and their friends and do not reach the light say one revealed case to two hundred that are never heard of by the public then we clamor for an increased police force to stop the wave that is to say we build a fire in a powder magazine then double the fire department to put it out we inflame wild beasts with the smell of blood and then innocently wonder at the wave of brutal appetite that sweeps the land as a consequence there is going to be another wave sir if you will wait for the new thaw trial i offer to bet you five hundred to one that you will see that wave i mean if you are accustomed to that time-honored british way of arriving at facts that are in doubt if you prefer i will keep it perfectly private you have been hearing about the international yacht race do not let that pretty phrase deceive you sir it is not international not in exchange of benefits all of the really valuable results go to great britain we get none of them the races steadily improve the science of seamanship and the art of shipbuilding but as our monarchy forbids us to have either seamen or ships we get not a single valuable thing out of them 
unless you may call by that name our never-failing showy but spectral and empty victories great britain gets all the champagne we get the bottle great britain gets the oyster we get the shell but if we could abolish that expensive and unprofitable sarcasm the international yacht race and substitute an international horse race we could equalize the benefits for we could meet you and often beat you on equable terms and improve our great blue-grass stock in the operation for a while then congress would interfere and require our native horses to sail under a foreign register and a foreign flag uh, like our ships i beg you sir to observe our street pavements they are our own invention this is the only place in the world where the pavements consist exclusively of holes with asphalt around them and they are most economical in the world because holes never get out of repair but i must not weary you with adulations of our merits lest i give you the impression that we have no defects which is not the case we have them but we have the art of concealing them it comes from long practice i hope my lord bishop that my native country is treating you as well as that old motherland of ours whence you came has lately treated me as cordially as hospitably as kindly and how kindly it was i hope i may without too much presumption use a still warmer word and say affection for it looked like that and i prize that above all the rest at the pier the assembled brawny longshoremen received me with a welcome that touched me deeply and when i had finished my four weeks sojourn there was no rank nor grade that had not said the pleasant word to me from the stevedore to the throne if i could express my thanks for this i would do it but there are thanks which cannot be put into words words are not adequate that proud honor which was conferred upon me by the most illustrious of all universities and which carried with it the added honor of being proffered not on the spot but from oversea carried with it yet another and still higher distinction since in conferring it upon me subordinately lord curson was conferring it first of all upon my great country as he said in his letter using just that phrase and so as i stood in his stately presence and listened in innocent and ignorant contentment to his melodious latin compliments i could not help holding my head a little high for i realized that i had surpassed my life's loftiest ambition since whether i deserved the great place or not i was nevertheless representing in my person and properly gowned in imposing scarlet 
one of the giant nations of the earth you yourself my lord bishop are representing in your person tonight another giant nation and we offer you honor and goodwill and affection and through you we offer them to england whom god preserve end of bishop's speech read by john greenman